It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta, your weekly look at what's fun, entertaining, and educational in and around Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Every week, we're here to help you get ready for the weekend and bring you conversations with some of the most interesting people in arts, culture, food, and entertainment in Atlanta. Let's get started with a couple of events that are happening around town this week. The Atlanta Fair is back beginning March 4th. You'll find all the usual midway fun, including rides, games, and that not exactly healthy but supremely delicious fair food. Indulge in a funnel cake because we all deserve a treat these days. The fair continues through April 10th in the gray lot across from the Center Park Stadium, formerly known as Turner Field. Admission is $2 to $8, and individual ride tickets are $1.25, but there are discounts for multiple ride tickets and unlimited ride armbands available. Get all the info at atlantafair.net. The Atlanta Opera just announced its 2022-23 season, and we have all the info along with Bo Emerson's interview with director Tomers Valoon on accessatlanta.com. Meanwhile, the company's current season continues with this weekend's opening of Rossini's 1816 opera, The Barber of Seville. The shows will take place at the Cobb Energy Performing Arts Center on March 5th, 8th, 11th, and 13th, and tickets are $45 to $150. Check out AccessAtlanta.com, AJC.com, and the print edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution next week for our review of the show. Stay tuned for more events later in the podcast, and after the featured conversation, we'll take a look at what the AJC is bringing you this week, both online and in print. But first, we'll hear about a small Georgia city that's doing big things. Cartersville may not be the first place you think of visiting for a weekend road trip, but it certainly should be if you're into cars, local history, art, or science. Nestled between Atlanta and Chattanooga, Cartersville's been dubbed Georgia's Museum City. It's home to Georgia Museums Incorporated, a nonprofit that operates the Bartow History Museum, Booth Western Art Museum, TELUS Science Museum, and the recently opened Savoy Automobile Museum. Phil Hudson spoke with Tom Chennault at the museum, and he's here to bring us that conversation. Welcome, Phil. Hey, how you doing? Good, thanks. Uh, so it's it's pretty fascinating that that you know this little town, um, you know, halfway between Atlanta and Chattanooga, has so many museums. Yeah, I would I would have never guessed. It's a, it's definitely um, a lot bigger than I would expect. It's small city in America with two Smithsonian affiliate museums, huge thing. But it's yeah. strange in just such a small, charming, as South Park says, little mountain town, almost. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, the, the Savoy just recently opened, um, got lots of, of cars and, and fascinating things about cars there. And, and you talked with uh, this guy about, about the museum. Um, tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear. Yeah, so um, we talk about the collection. Um, Tom is a, definitely a car guy. Um, yeah. and, and I guess anyone who, you, well, that's what's great about the Savoys. You don't necessarily have to be um, a car aficionado. You could be new to it. Um, they have multimedia, um, uh, I guess, editions attached to all the exhibits. So that way, for people like me who don't know the ins and outs of cars, you can learn about them as you go through. Um, but I was, it was cool to hear kind of just the history of the car. Um, because in Atlanta, you know, you just think of cars and traffic and may not have the most positive feeling with it, but for these people who revere it, um, and, and appreciate it, it definitely puts a new, new light on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if, you know, you're not necessarily into cars, I mean, these things, a lot of these things are like art objects, really. Yeah, that's another way to look at it for yeah. sure. I mean, and the design of them is fascinating, even for those of us who may not be into cars themselves. Yeah, um, yeah, they have an old Oldsmobile um, that I was looking at that looks like the Batmobile. I'm going blank on the model name right now. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, they have the antiques. Um, it was interesting hearing kind of Georgia's connection to the automobile. Um, Tom knew a lot about that and expanded on that um, a lot about um, we have so many um, kind of ancillary industries that revolve around the manufacturing of, of cars. Um, cool. So that was cool to hear, too. Yeah, and, and we should also mention that, that you've written a story that, that includes uh, the Savoy and the other museums uh, that are there in Cartersville. And uh, folks can go online at accessatlanta.com and ajc.com and, and read that story and see some photos of the museum and some cars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And is there anything else we should know before we go into the conversation? No, I think you should dive right in. Um, if you're listening, I would say pull, pull up your cell phone and go check out the photos because they're definitely cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Phil. I appreciate you bringing us this conversation. No problem, Shane. Welcome to the show. Uh, today we have Savoy Automobile Museum Director of Development, Tom Chanel. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited Absolutely. to be here. So yeah, so y'all got, you, you just recently opened your doors, I guess, recent relative, but um, just recently opened your doors. How does it feel finally being open? You know, it's a, it's a bag of mixed emotions. There's, there's excitement and there's relief and there's a sense of pride and, and there's this aspect of just being able to share the hard work and, and dedication that has gone in to literally years of work and to, to be up and running and to be able to provide this type of resource um, it's something special, and uh, we're we're really excited to to be able to to provide it at this point. So, for our listeners who aren't aware, can you kind of just give the thirty second elevator pitch on kind of what the museum is? Absolutely. So, Savoy Automobile Museum is the newest program of Georgia Museum. So, Georgia Museums oversees uh, actually four museums here in Cartersville, Bartow County. Booth Western Art Museum, TELUS Science Museum, Bartow History Museum, and now Savoy. And we are a automotive museum that is dedicated to connecting people to the cultural diversity of the automobile. So we want to be able to, to provide uh, a place for people to reconnect with memories and stories 
and um, connection points of automobiles from whether it be from years past or even into the current day and into the future of whatever the advancements in the automotive industry is. It is a it's it, we're not dedicated to one make model or era we want to celebrate it all and uh, that's one thing that i find really special is that um, it's such a broad and diverse uh, world that we're able to to showcase a little bit of everything from that very standpoint and we do that with changing exhibitions and educational programs and engaging experiences uh, here in our facilities in Cartersville. So yeah, can you talk a little bit about the ex exhibitions? I know the one I like most, I'm a huge Beach Boys fan, so you can probably guess the Woody. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Woody, Wood-bodied exhibits and, and the Woodies is a, a very popular, uh, iconic Americana type exhibit. So, so let's talk about exhibits for a second for, from our standpoint. In the process of putting together this museum, we knew we wanted to do something a little bit different than most other automotive museums in the country. And Phil, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of car museums in this country. Um, they can be renovated warehouses and glorified garages and old dealerships, steel buildings, and then there's the world-class ground-up facilities. Um, that's what where we kind of fall in. We are a ground up world-class facility. And we just happen to house automobiles and tell stories. And that's because every car has a story. And so in wanting to do some things a little different than most other museums, we didn't wanna just be a stagnant collection. We didn't want the experience to be, hey, come see our cars. And once you've seen them, that's it. Why, why come back? Why, why do it again? Why learn more about it? Why engage? So we wanted to treat it much more like a museum collection and provide uh, opportunities. And so given the fact that we have other museums in our um, program of work, we, we looked at what works well and, and what doesn't necessarily work. And looking at the car museum world, we knew there was an opportunity to be a little different by being fresh and rotating exhibitions. So that's what is going to happen here. We, we had mentioned the fact that we're not dedicated to any certain make, model, or era. Well, you think about that and be like, well, how in the world are you going to showcase hundreds and hundreds of different makes, models, and styles, and, and genres, and eras, and, and themes? We're going to do that by rotating out themed exhibitions. So these are going to be exclusively curated uh, select runs that will be temporary exhibits at the museum. So we've got our opening exhibits and we'll, we'll kind of talk about those a little bit. And when you come visit the museum, there will always be the Savoy collection. We have a collection of cars that are the foundation of the museum uh, and we'll rotate some of our cars in and out of that display, but there's definitely one space that is dedicated to the, the collection of the museum. But then there are four other spaces throughout the museum that we consider temporary exhibition gallery spaces. Currently, we have a great American Classics in Gallery A. Uh, that's an uh, exhibition that showcases, you know, those early um, elegant automobiles um, from a lot of the 20s and 30s. You think about Pierce Arrow and Ruxton, Marmon, Packard, Cadillac, LaSalle, Duesenberg, Auburn, 
studs, uh, manufacturers that were just um, above and beyond uh, and, and really scream elegance um, and sophistication. Then we have in our theater lobby and gallery B, we have what you preluded to, Phil, is, is kind of that Americana, you know, embodiment of a road trip in a wood-bodied or a Woody's exhibit where we have uh, automobiles of different makes and models that were part of that uh, late 40s, mid to late 40s to early 50s period that really embodied the you know, family travel, station wagons and and uh, a lot of those were iconic from the wood bodies that were that adorned the automobiles. Uh, in our great hall, we have uh, American Racing Series uh, exhibition. We've got a, uh, a a NASCAR that has local prominent uh, historical prevalence to it uh, from uh, the Daytona 500. That's part of that exhibit. We have uh, a uh, Pocono 500. Uh, Indy car, uh, that one that was driven by Bobby Rahal on exhibit. Uh, we have a world record holding salt flat, Bonneville salt flats race car on exhibit, uh, an original Dick Landy dragster, and then a couple of aero cars or winged cars, a, a, a 1970 Plymouth Superbird that was uh, iconic in its own right, uh, driven by Richard Petty. And then we've also got Bobby Isaac's uh, uh, Daytona, uh, Dodge Daytona, that was also uh, a racing car from that standpoint. And so that's that exhibit in the Great Hall. And then the last current exhibit we, we have on display right now is an exhibit uh, titled Orphans. And from the car culture world, you know, that kind of uh, relates to the auto manufacturers that that produced a select number of makes or models. And then for whatever reason, the manufacturer just couldn't make it. Uh, probably most uh, the most sought after orphan car you could arguably say is the Tucker. Uh, we have a, a 1948 Tucker on display. 51 were ever made, one being a prototype. 47 exists today. Uh, we're fortunate enough to have number 44 currently on display. I just googled. I just googled the Tucker. That is a cool looking car. It is a. It looks almost like a Batmobile. It is a fabulous car. Remind me about Batmobile in a second. Um, it is a fabulous car. And it, it, honestly, it is arguably one of the most sought after collector cars um, out there because of its rarity, because of its story. Um, it was a car of the future. It was, it was a safety car. I mean, this was made in 1948 and Preston Tucker was the developer and it, it just had features that other auto manufacturers didn't have. And so whatever the reason being, there was a movie made about it. Um, Tucker, A Man in His Dreams, that uh, came out in the late 80s. And so the story just evolved. There weren't many of them made. Not many exist uh, from that standpoint. And so it's just a popular car. Um, and it, it's one that, it, you know, anytime one comes to auction, I mean, it is the star. And so they don't come to auction all that often. Um, you never see one just outright for sale. They're always done in auctions. Um, to garner the most publicity from that standpoint. But, um, and what's fun for us, we talked a little bit about, mentioned the programming and things that we want to dive into from a, a standpoint for making it more than just a collection. And the Tucker is a good example of that. So uh, one of our first events that we hosted at the museum was a, a lecture and it was a panel discussion 
with the great grandsons of Preston Tucker. So we brought in Sean and Mike Tucker. And then we also brought in a gentleman by the name of Mark Lieberman, who has owned seven Tuckers in his life. Um, and he's probably one of the foremost Tucker experts in the world. And uh, the three of them came in and they talked specifically about the car on display. Uh, and then the Tucker uh, automobile and Preston Tucker and the corporation in, in general. And so that's the kind of things that we want to be able to do here um, is to take the automobiles and not only elevate them to a, 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 a an essence of art, but then dive into what their stories are and what they tell and in that aspect. So, you know, the Tucker's part of that orphans exhibit that also includes, you know, Hudson and Studebaker and Kaiser, Frazier, Nash, um, Davis. Uh, the Davis is a, a very unique three-wheel car. Uh, only 16 of those were ever made. And so there's rarity there. And so, you know, that's just kind of the unique and mundane sometimes things you find when learning about stories of different makes and models. And that's just one of the things that we get to do here at Savoy. So the back to the Batmobile, other than Kit from Knight Rider, I would say the Batmobile is probably the coolest Hollywood car. It, it, you know, it, it is. And we have a neat connection to um, the Batmobile per se. So it, as part of the Savoy collection, we have a, a Cord Beverly. And this was a, an automobile uh, that... Uh, was built yeah, most of the, it, it was built in the early in the 20s and 30s and and our model is a 30s model uh, Cord Beverly uh, it's an 810 is the actual model of ours and uh, what's unique about that car and doing research and learning more about it is that that car um, ours is black it, it's got a nickname it's, it's the they were known as the coffin nosed cars because the nose of the, the engine bay and the front end was very um, squared off. Uh, it looked very similar to that of a coffin. And so, but this car has, it's very art deco. It has um, long grill lines and rolling fenders and flares. And it, it's, it's just got this sleek feel to it that ultimately became the inspiration for the original Batmobile in the comics for Batman. And so here is this car that we have on display that you come in and one of the aspects that you get to partake in in the museum is reading about these, uh, each of these cars, we've got reader boards and, and that have, tell stories. And then you have connection points like that that ties into pop culture and, and history from a standpoint that here's this car that was basically, you know, the inspiration for what was known as the Batmobile. I mean, how fun is that? Yeah, it's, that's incredible. That's definitely uh, one of my fun, funnier anecdotal stories. This is Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We'll continue with Phil Hudson's interview with Tom Chennault about the Savoy Automobile Museum. But first, here's more of our list of things to do around Metro Atlanta. The Forsythia Festival, like its namesake flowering shrub, is one of the first signs of spring. The festival offers an arts and crafts show, a 5K run, sporting tournaments, and more, and expect to see lots of the color yellow. The festival is happening in downtown Forsyth, March 12th and 13th, and you'll find details at ForsythiaFestival.com. 
and be sure to check out the March 11th Go Guide and AccessAtlanta.com for our extensive look at upcoming spring festivals, including the Inman Park Festival and the Dogwood Festival. The Temptations unleashed a mighty torrent of hit songs, 42 that made the top 10, from the finger-snapping early simplicity of My Girl, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, and The Way You Do the Things You Do, to the grittier psychedelic soul of Cloud Nine, Ball of Confusion, and Papa Was a Rolling Stone. The musical, Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, celebrates that legacy and will take the stage at the Fox Theater beginning March 8th. We'll have a preview of the show, which includes some former Atlantans among the cast, in this week's Go Guide and online at accessatlanta.com. And look out for our review of the show next week. This is Access Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The facts matter now more than ever. Get unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution so you know what's really going on. And you're helping us fulfill our mission to bring you the news that's important to you. Subscribe today at subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to join the community for just 99 cents. Let's continue our conversation with the Savoy Automobile Museum's Tom Chennault. What, um, kind of in terms of, so when I think cars, and forgive me, I'm not, a, not necessarily what I would call a car guy, when I think cars, I immediately go NASCAR, North Carolina. What is something Georgia can kind of hang its hat on to be proud as far as the automotive heritage? I know right now we have a lot of manufacturers that are here. Um, it was Panos here, right? Uh, yeah, Panos is here. Absolutely. Yep. Up in Northeast Georgia. Um, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, uh, of course, I, I, I got to give my boy Dale from Dawsonville a shout out. And Chase Elliott, of course. <laughs> awesome. Bill from Dawsonville. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, that's one thing that's been really fun for me personally to experience in this whole project. Um, you, you take our region, you take the state of Georgia, you take the Southeast and the car culture world that we are centered in rivals that of the Southern California car culture world, the, the Detroit car automotive capital world, so to speak. Um, our car culture here in the South, I mean, you mentioned the racing aspect to it, um, a long, rich history of, of that here in our region. Um, you talk about what an economic impact that uh, Atlanta has for the Southeast. And you think about the corporations that are headquartered here. I mean, you've got Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, exactly. huge manufacturing plant in West Exactly. Point. Yeah. You get, into, you get into the actual manufacturing side of automobiles in the state of Georgia, not to mention the number of, of manufacturers that make or produce parts for cars. I mean, there are dozens of manufacturers across the state that do tires or brake systems or quarter panels or rubber gaskets or window inserts or things that just tie into the production of a car. Uh, and that's just within the state lines. Um, you go to bordering states and things like that, and it just expands from there. Uh, this region uh, has been eye-opening for me to, to learn about the importance that it plays in the car culture world from a big scope. Um, but I would argue that the car culture here in the Southeast and in Georgia rivals that of anywhere else in the country. 
So I've driven by the museum and it's gigantic. I think, um, <laughs> was it 60, 65,000 square feet, right? The, the main museum structure is 65,000 square feet. We've got, and y'all are on like a hundred some acres. No, not quite that big. We're, we've got 30, 30, it feels like a hundred sometimes, but no, so I live in the city. So to me, like a quarter of an acre <laughs> is the equivalent of 10 acres. There you go. Yeah. So it's all relative. Um, <laughs> But one thing that I thought was interesting is y'all have a vehicle storage facility to, and what I didn't know about the museum world is that um, a huge part of kind of the exhibitions are usually not currently out for public. How much um, preservation goes into these cars? I know if it was a painting museum, that's a significant portion of what a part of what the museum is actually supposed to do, preserve the artwork. How does that work with y'all? Like are all the cars running? Um, Are there, you know, do you pull all the oil and all the liquids from them? Are they completely dry? How does that work? No. So there is a, there's standards that we, we want to abide by um, from a museum standard aspect, um, protocols, um, code aspects. Um, we also don't want to be a museum of, of dead cars either. Um, there are some automobiles that just don't uh, necessarily run. Like, for instance, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. The NASCAR we have on display. The engine that was in that NASCAR uh, was something that was proprietary. And so after the race, that engine came out, but it does have a dummy engine. in it. Um, so you can still tell, educate, and learn from that standpoint. Uh, but no, the cars in the collection, uh, vast, vast majority, I'd say 95% um, run to this day. They can be driven. They, they get serviced. They're taken care of. Um, we, we don't completely... Uh, you know, pickle a car is a term that we've uh, come to know. And, and that is where you drain a lot of the cars of fluids and things like that. Uh, that's not something that, that we do uh, regularly. Here's the other aspect. You know, you think about cars that are in our collection, but then we also become stewards of cars that are loaned to the museum. So we talk about some of the cars in our opening exhibits. Um, the museum doesn't own all of those automobiles. We, we have a fair number that we own, um, but we're, we're fortunate to be in a position where we can come up with these, whatever the exhibition theme is, and we can go to other museums, industry partners, um, public collections, private collections, individuals, and we can say, hey, we're doing a, an exhibit on this theme, and we know that you have access or you have this car that fits into that theme, and we would like to take your car on loan at the museum. So once you do that, then you're abiding uh, in a sense the, to standards that are set from ownership rights um, from that owner. And so there are things that we do to make sure we preserve uh, those opportunities, but staying in course with the mission of the museum uh, and our right full opportunity to be able to provide them in a safe and welcoming environment to people who visit just like yourself. So um, that's something that we have to, to make sure that we do correctly. We wanna be able to, to be stewards of those gifts and, and take care of them and then be able to, to return them with provenance. Cause you got to imagine, uh, you know, if, if so many people own automobiles uh, that appreciate them want to be able to share them. That's why we have car shows and you have cruise ends and, and it's something about being able to, to connect with it and share them with other people that share that passion. And here's this museum to where an opportunity might come up to where you can showcase it to 
um, thousands of folks that come through the door to see exhibitions and to experience the museum and uh, to add that provenance of, of a car being a part of an exclusive exhibition for a select run at a world-class museum uh, is something that I think is only going to grow and is going to expand and make um, even um, more, it's going, it's going to add more and more value uh, for those that are have the opportunity to be able to, to loan to the museum uh, for exhibition. So we're excited to provide that resource and that opportunity and, uh, and turn around and be able to provide that exact same resource and opportunity to those that come visit. So the last one I got for you, the show, you mentioned car shows. I know y'all are, um, y'all got a big showgrounds up there. It's called the showgrounds at Savoy. It's going to have a pavilion. I think it said it could fit up to a thousand cars. Yeah. Um, yeah. A thousand vehicle. That's probably bigger than anything I've ever seen in terms of a car show. Um, kind of what, what was the genesis? Obviously being an automobile museum, it makes sense halfway between Chattanooga and Atlanta. Um, but I saw a replicated Concours d'Elegance. Um, what's, can you break kind of what's the relation there? How's well, it going to so, replicate it? So what we're going to do um, is, yes, we, we've got 37 acres and uh, we have aspirations of utilizing our showgrounds for car shows, cruise ins. Um, I mean, we could do swap meets. We could do uh, concerts on the grounds and, and drive-in type movie. There, there's a lot of events that can take place on the grounds. It can be things that we, the museum, put on as events um, that are kind of in-house events that we produce and our fundraisers for the museum. But then again, they could also be external events that are rental opportunities for car clubs, corporations, groups, uh, businesses that want to come in and do events and rent facilities or grounds or space and kind of have their own events. So uh, events will really start taking off on the grounds of the museum uh, probably late this year and definitely into 2023. So we were, we, we took into the, the, the mindset that we didn't want to blacktop everything. We didn't want to pave everything because we didn't want to have car shows on hot asphalt in the middle of the summer in Georgia. Um, so we, uh, we do have, as I mentioned, the 37 acres and, uh, it has a showgrounds feel to it. It is, it has a, it replicates that of what a lot of Concord d'Elegance, uh, events take place on, uh, golf courses and you got rolling berms and you've got sodded grass and you've got some shrubbery and native trees. And, and it really creates this, uh, atmosphere of, of, of elegance from a standpoint. And so what better way to showcase cars uh, with that? So in doing so, obviously we had to uh, put a lot of grass down, whether it be the pod or grass that we seeded um, and went through that process. So we're just making sure we give that enough time to really get established. Um, we, want, we want it to go through a full season, a full cycle, let that root base really get established before we really start utilizing it and you know, we don't want to just tear up exactly what we put in um, from the get-go. So we're going to let that get established, and then we'll start probably doing some events the in-house to kind of test the waters with that, uh, probably hopefully a little bit later this year and definitely into 2023 when we'll open it up for a lot of different type events. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think we could see a Concord-type event uh, at Savoy at some point as maybe one of the events that, that uh, we, we try to be able to produce and, and, and take part in. And 
and uh, provide yet again as another opportunity and experience for folks to enjoy. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time and uh, make sure we got the hours. It's open Tuesday, open every day of the week, except for Monday, 10 to 5. Uh, yes, general admission is $15, $5 for youth ages 3 to 12. And Absolutely. my favorite, active military gets that complimentary admission as well as children under two. Um, for memberships, are y'all doing memberships? We are. We are a membership-based organization. And uh, membership is by far the the best deal in town, so to speak. Uh, memberships start for individuals at $55. Uh, and and you know, those, those core basics, you know, really tie into the fact that you can come to the museum uh, unlimited amount of times uh, with your annual membership. So um, as I mentioned, they start at 55 and go up there depending on uh, different perks and benefits for the number of people and things like that. Um, but definitely a, a great resource to be able to take advantage of, especially once you got programming getting started and events and things like that, where you want to come back early and often. Awesome. Well, that's exciting, Tom. I, I really appreciate your time and congratulations on everything. I know uh, Georgia's tourism industry appreciates it. And obviously our car industry does too. Well, I appreciate that, Phil. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, we look forward to sharing Savoy with everyone. Absolutely. You have a good one, Tom. You too. Thanks. AJC brings you the best of what's happening in and around Atlanta on AccessAtlanta.com, along with deeper looks at trends in arts and entertainment and compelling looks at lost bits of history. Here's a taste of what you'll find there. The Atlanta Science Festival is back March 12th through the 26th, with more than 100 events at venues all over town, including Mason Mill Park, Zoo Atlanta, Burnbank Museum, and on both the Georgia Tech and Emory University campuses. To preview the festival, Bo Emerson will talk with the creators of Wondergrub, an Atlanta startup that is pioneering the marketing of insects as food for humans. To read the story, check the living section in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution next week and go to accessatlanta.com. To find out more about all of the things the Atlanta Science Festival is offering, go to atlantasciencefestival.org. Our world has changed dramatically in the two years since we all learned the words coronavirus and COVID-19. So it seemed like a good time to take a look at how our lives look now. We asked photographer Ben Gray to document some of the ways our daily lives have been transformed by the pandemic. Things that seem completely normal now, yet were unheard of just two years ago. You'll find his photo essay in this week's Sunday Arts and Living section on March 6th in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and online at AJC.com. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, Please take a moment to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, so you'll never miss an episode. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to accessatlanta.com and ajc.com. The podcast is edited by Tyson Horn. The theme music is by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen, and I'm your host and the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.